The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Joe, did you grow up with a lot of earthquakes in Australia, or is this a new thing for you? A 4.2. Good morning. I am so over this. <laughs> I'm not going to lie one little bit. I don't care if people think I'm overreacting or it's just a little shake, or I don't care what people think. This is ridiculous, and I'm sick of it. And I just want to go to Australia. <laughs> A little dramatic this morning, huh? Uh, well, it's honestly, it's not like it obviously doesn't really bother me too much, but it was well, it's a bit of a coincidence that I was sitting with with Miller and Jacob this morning when it when it happened, and Renee was actually working out in the gym. She felt it felted in the gym, but Miller was like, "This house is so silly. We need to go to our Australia house because it doesn't shake." <laughs> um, and just and like since since it happened, she's kept talking about going back to Australia, and obviously it, it spooks the the kids more than it kind of does to me. Um, so we'll see how the day plays out, but hopefully she she's all right. Joe Ingles, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The uh, news came out yesterday. The uh, Dr. Fauci said, hey, you could play NBA basketball or Major League Baseball uh, as long as there was nobody in the stadium and they put the players in hotels. And uh, Mike Trout of the Angels, uh, an excellent baseball player, although I don't know that you follow baseball, but an excellent baseball player. No, uh, that's a cool name. <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, not a big fan. He said, I, I think that's pretty crazy. We can't be sitting in our hotel rooms just going from the field to the hotel room and not being able to do anything. Now, he also has a wife pregnant with their first kid, and he said, well, if I go to that, then do I have to quarantine for two weeks coming back? When you hear the thought of being in a hotel for a month or two, what do you think? Uh, I think I would be right there next to my friend Mike Trout. <laughs> no, I think um, I think in well, obviously what we're going through now, it's like it wouldn't be too different in terms of like most people are obviously stuck inside or, or stuck at their homes and apartments or, or whatever they live in. Um, uh, my only thought about that, I guess, is if if that is the case and we are wherever or going to Vegas or whatever's kind of been the a little bit of the talk. Um, so, I mean, what happens when one person potentially tests positive, then we're kind of back to square one again, because then we all have to be, if you're in contact with someone, maybe and maybe it's a little bit different now or if the testing's faster or whatever the case is, but um, if someone tests positive within a team you've played or your own team or, or in a hotel, then you're I mean, we're kind of back to square one again where we all have to be self-quarantined or whatever for two weeks. And um, obviously everyone, like um, the the baseball guys, everyone's in different situations. I think, did you say he's got a pregnant wife or he's just had a kid or whatever? Um, I mean, like everyone's just got, people might be pregnant, people might have young babies. Um, obviously, some people will just be themselves or, or with a partner or something. So, uh, I think everyone will be in different situations. But I just feel like if if we all go back to a, a group setting and we're all in Vegas or wherever it is, then as soon as one 
person is positive, which obviously there's a really good chance because we're not going to be the only ones in Vegas. Uh, everyone's been like you, you just I don't know you just don't know I don't, I don't know I'll let the, the big bosses make the decisions. So you've gone now five weeks without any form of practice or games. When you're in the off season, and particularly with you, with a lot of international competition that you're a part of with your national team, how long do you normally go without some type of supervised practice or a pickup game or some form of competitive basketball? Um, so recently, the last kind of couple of years, and um, with with the Jazz, we obviously get a program as we leave, so we have our locker clean out or whatever and exit meetings and we usually get an emailed um, kind of plan or structure for us um, I think usually it's kind of like two three weeks of completely like nothing um, so just have have two or three weeks kind of let your body heal and recover a little bit try and get some rest and then kind of slowly you kind of start back at square one and you, you build up again um, obviously over a, a fair bit of amount of time so um, start in the weight room get back out spot shooting and obviously build up to, to plane pick up and 5-5 five and five or whatever so um, I mean this is definitely <laughs> the longest I've gone without kind of obviously we're doing I haven't been able to really shoot We we I've got a amazing lifetime uh, hoop up in my driveway but it's not really realistic to, to what an NBA court or, or scenario, like situation is so um, I go down to our gym every day do some stuff in the gym but yeah nothing nothing on court so as you go through this is there a point where coming back seems more serious and you have to individually crank it up a little bit and think, okay, we could really be going and I've got to be, I got to feel, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but I got to feel a certain way before I let Quinn put me in a practice and run me ragged. So I better get going. But in terms of you saying, I've got to get going, what do I do? Run whether it's physical or ride a little bit more on the bike. Like there's nothing that is going to get anybody out of the 450 players ready for a practice or scrimmage or or whatever that first kind of thing looks Uh like other than being on the court. And that's, that's the hard thing. I think I read something yesterday. Jason Tatum was like, this is the longest he's never touched a basketball for. And I'm sure he's got one in his house and he travels around or or whatever, but he, everyone kind of knows what he means. He's gone out there and played basketball and shot and did an individual or, or played three on three or anything. And, um, there's just nothing if they called us today and said hey we're, we're, we're back there's a plan you've got a week until training camp starts kind of like, I mean I can go down to the gym and run for an extra 20 minutes or, or something like that but regardless I'm going to get onto the court and I'm going to be just as tired as I would be if I didn't do that because it's just you just can't simulate that, that 5 and 5 which is why the off season also is hard at times if you're not in a, a big city where you obviously see the the LA pickups and the New York or whatever kind of uh, cities here do those, those live kind of pickup games and you you see highlights of it and that if you haven't got that you, you can't really simulate it's hard to to simulate it so you you do your individual stuff you do that but then regardless you come back to training camp you're going to be tired those first few days so. Um, 
I think someone put out a little thing about like a 25-day plan where you have kind of 10 days of individuals and um, obviously building yourself back up and then then like a 10 to two week um, like kind of training camp to start practices, start scrimmaging and then obviously those last few days would be, you'd obviously want to be in game shape to be, be ready to obviously start the season again. So you're sort of getting, I guess, a taste of retirement while you're an active player. Is that accurate? Yeah, I'm not retiring anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, really? Oh, it's, I mean, it's it's funny because me and Renee had talked about it and obviously her being recently retired after playing 17 years professionally and her last year, which was the off-season, just gone, was, she was kind of mentally ready. Her body was fine. I mean, she could still play now. She she still works out every day and all that. But just mentally, she, she knew it was time to, to move on. She wasn't... She didn't hate playing or hate going to training, but she just knew um, it was it was the right time. She felt good. She studied and, and was very organized for, for kind of post-career um, what she wanted to do. And, and she went to every practice and enjoyed it and just knew it was the last one. And um, Not that being home with my family makes me not want to be here and keep playing, but... Um, yeah, it makes you want to make sure you know know what you want to do when you, you finish playing. Just sitting at home, and as much as it is enjoyable being at home with my family, they're obviously not going to be here anyway because the kids will be at school and Renee will be working or doing whatever she wants to do. So um, I think it'll it'll kind of wake everyone up to just have a plan of of what you want to do post career because you, you can't just sit at home every day once you retired. So Joe, we were uh, we were discussing this uh, about uh, the impact you have here because we see you tweeting a lot about autism. We see people interacting with you on social media. How many places in the world could this have happened? Because you are such a big star here, it happens that we don't have an NFL team or a Major League Baseball team here. If you were still playing in Spain, you know, soccer is the big sport. You couldn't. I wouldn't think you'd have the same impact in the community and in a lot of American cities you wouldn't have the same impact in a community do uh, you, you ever sit and consider that how everything has worked out and come together here oh absolutely um, and everyone kind of talks about uh, a little bit about how, how it was the Clippers and like I should I, I could have been there I should have been there and, and whatever That's Clippers fans obviously kind of saying that but um, as cliche as it as it sounds, everything kind of happens for a reason. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's pretty crazy that we were talking about it not long ago. I mean, Renee were talking about it just about. Uh, I mean, by the end of by the end of my contract, it's going to be eight years or something here. Um, and I came over at twenty seven. I didn't come over at twenty one or two in the draft, and um, to come from. Spain and, and Israel where I didn't play a whole lot I'd had a decent kind of international career with the Australian team up to this point and to come here I honestly was <laughs> me and Renee I, I told Renee like if I can just get a couple of years here it'd be kind of great on my resume to tell my kids I played in the NBA and um, then the next thought was like oh well, I can get if I get three years I'll get that uh, the pension plan which is cool like a little bit of um, a kind of safety net for when you do retire you've got a little bit of income coming in and then I signed that, the four year deal and 
and obviously I feel like obviously I've done a, a fair bit now and then helped our team and helped our, our organisation kind of become a little bit of, of who they've become. I'm definitely not taking credit for, for too much, but I think I've been a part of the, obviously me and Quinn came in the start the same year. It was Rudy's second year and, and we've kind of built this thing up to, to what it is now. And obviously we've been lucky with the Millers and, and Dennis and to, to draft good players and get good free agents and all that. But um, yeah, it's it's crazy how it's kind of become what it's become. And yeah, I mean, being in a smaller city is sometimes people don't, a lot of people don't want to come to smaller cities or, or quote unquote like boring what, what people would say but Utah has been unreal for, for me I, I loved it when I was here by myself when it was just me and Renee here and obviously now having having kids and stuff here it's um, like I said I've said it a million times but it's uh, become a, a second home for us and um, I don't really want to know what my life would be like if it, if it didn't happen like this because I've thoroughly enjoyed being here and, and obviously what what's to come these next couple of years so last week, a story comes out that says uh, uh, an anonymous quote that the relationship between Gobert and Mitchell is un- quote unquote unsalvageable. And That's shortly thereafter, word. you put out a tweet. You put out a tweet that said, "LOL." What was that tweet about? I was laughing out loud. <laughs> about what? <laughs> uh, I can't really remember what it was. Now it was. Uh, it was a few days ago, wasn't it? Obviously, something, I don't know, something, maybe Miller said something funny or maybe Miller was trying to pronounce the word unsalvageable or something. I can't really remember, but um, <laughs> I'm glad it's been salvaged. You know, jazz fans want to believe it's been salvaged, but there's a big chunk of jazz fans who, in here, until they hear it from Donovan, aren't going to believe it. Oh, do me, do me get, should we get Donovan on the line and see if it's salvaged? A lot of jazz fans, I'm dead serious about this. I'm not joking around at all, Joe. A lot of jazz fans would appreciate it if you got Donovan to say that. He could, <laughs> he could come on our show and say it. He could hold up his Didn't phone they? and say it into his phone so they can see his face. And then he could post it on social media. But I'm telling you, there are scars from stuff that happened here before you were born. There That's are scars. Nothing to do with me. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It's just jazz fan, and there are just scars, and people wear it every day, and this is just, this is one more thing. And it, it doesn't have to do with Rudy or what Donovan. Did, it has to do with jazz fans. Feel, what did Rudy come out and say the other day? Right, but he's not the, uh, he's not the aggrieved hurt party here, which is why, and, and Joe, Joe, we could do a whole lesson in jazz history, in Utah sports history, and in Utah history, but there's just a <laughs> lifetime of this stuff, and this is one more straw on the camel's back. And it, it, I, I, I think it's tough when you're in the locker room um, because people don't know and can't know. I think we know more. PK and I know more than the average fan, but there's a lot of stuff we still don't know. And we know we don't know it. And we know that it's hard to throw it out there. It's kind of like if you've read about this MJ documentary that's coming out. And Jordan's like, well, when people see behind the scenes, they're still not going to have all the context. They're going to think I'm a bad guy. And so I get why people don't want to put it out there. I 100% understand. And yet I also know that jazz fans are wearing all this agony and all this heartbreak from other situations that have gone wrong for whatever reason. And like... Oh, boy, here we go again. And they just, there's a segment of them that just can't shake that feeling. 
until they see it from Donovan, see the look in his eyes and realize he's serious because it matters to them a lot. Well, I'd, from from what I know, uh, and I'm, I feel like I've, I, I know a fair bit of go, what's going on with our team, being uh, a piece of, of the roster and being in a group chat and all of that, I'd be, like I said, on the Sam Amix podcast however many weeks ago, that was like maybe three weeks ago or something, when, I, when it was so unsalvageable, um, I said that our team would be completely fine, I was confident in that, and like, uh, I mean, people, <laughs> I had a lot of tweets like, oh, if Job thinks it's, it's all good, then it will be all good, and I'd be even more confident now saying that, that we're going to be totally fine. I was confident back then saying it. Otherwise, I obviously wouldn't have said it. I'm not going to say something I don't believe in. Um, I thought it back then, however many weeks ago. And like I said, I think, yeah, I mean, there's, there's they obviously had a little bit of a frustration there. I think everyone in the situation was frustrated at different things, not, not Rudy. Um, my frustration was like getting home to my family. Like I wanted to be here with my family. I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk to anyone in our team. I didn't. I didn't speak to anyone in our team for the first ten days, two weeks, because I was my one and only concern was was my family and making sure they were okay and making sure the kids were, were healthy and obviously me kind of st- staying away from them to to maybe if I if I had it or didn't have the symptoms or whatever the the things to be. So I think. Um, there was frustration from everyone's part in, in different in, in different uh, ways and different feelings. But um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I believe our team will be completely. They've spoken. We've all spoken. We've been in group chats. Like it's like it's it's, it's completely. It's we're going to be fine. Everyone. I don't know the histories and. All of it. We could maybe sit down off camera or off radio one day, and we'll we'll have a big chat about it, and I'll write it in my notes and um, see what I can do to to help it all. But um, yeah, we'll be fine. Well, I think that pretty much says it all, man. I think you've answered all those questions, and that should be the end of it, right? I mean, like, like I wouldn't. I'm not going to sit here. First of all, I'm not going to put anyone business out in public. That's not why, unless it's to do with me. Um, that's not why. But, like I said, I, I'm pretty confident I'm, like I said, I'm in the loop of what happens behind the scenes and what is happening behind the scenes and what isn't happening behind the scenes. And I think I think Jazz fans will be fine. Rudy, I think it was Rudy, whoever came out and said that they both want to win. They want to win here. Um I don't know what else people need to say if they both want to win here. It's pretty, I don't know, it seems pretty confident that that they decided that they wanted to play together and win together here. So um, until further notice, I think everyone will just worry about the earthquakes rather than those two. (laughs) Joe, Joe, by the way, you should know uh, that if you're on the fifth floor of the arena and uh, four or five earth four four point two or five point seven earthquake hits. Uh, you you can ride it out. The arena is great. We're looking around. There's no cracked glass we can see. It is it's a crazy ride up here on the fifth floor, uh, but uh, it's totally doable. I don't want to experience that. I'm fine at my house. <laughs> had a little shake. The stairs had a little shake, and I'll uh, get back there. But I do want to answer one of the questions I got to, right before I got online. I looked on Twitter because I retweeted the questions, and one of the questions was. 
I can't just remember who it's from, but what retired player would I want to play with in his prime? And I thought that was a really good question. So, who would it be? Well, I've been I've actually been thinking about it a lot since I read it because it's actually there's probably I wouldn't I honestly couldn't say one if if I had to say one, and this will like probably hurt jazz fans because it's not a jazz player, but. If I had to say one person, it would probably be Dirk, and that's because of he was like one of my favourite players all time. He's a, I've got two jerseys from players or ex-players in my lifetime, and one of them is his. It's signed to me and, and all that. So that that definitely he's definitely one. But then I would have like loved to have played with with Carl and, and John, and I would have loved to play with with Ginobili. The list goes on, probably, but I think Dirk would be, like, the number one if I had to pick one. Jazz fans shudder now. They recall the 2-0 series lead and three straight losses in the blown fourth quarter 17-point lead at home. <laughs> That's why I said they probably won't yeah. like answer, it was, it was the answer. Yeah, it was the first time. Like, a kid. Uh, there's, there's actually a video somewhere, like, online of – me holding a Nowitzki jersey as a lot younger age and saying like he's my favorite player. I was like 16 or 17 or something. So it's not like I've just made this up to bring back some history. And I've got, like I said, I've got two jerseys, signed jerseys from players in the NBA, and one of them is. So. All right, there it is. Yeah, you can uh, when you're when you're bored, Google. It was about uh, probably 2001. The video is probably out there on YouTube. Young Dirk and Young Steve Nash down 0-2, winning three in a row. The first round was best of five in those days. Steve Nash is probably in that group of players too, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can you can YouTube it, and that'll get you through 10 or 15 minutes of the day. You know, when the kids are taking a nap. You want to know who the second jersey is, just who? for who fun? Yeah, it was an ex teammate. Um. A bit of trivia for you guys. Ex-teammate. Well, I was really close with him. Um, I think when he left, I like tweeted something about him being one of my favorite teammates ever. Booker. No, he retired. He's he's got. <laughs> if anyone goes to watch his video, as, as nice as it is, listening to him, his retirement video and his letter was great. His hair and facial hair is disgusting. <laughs> that is, that <laughs> is such a youth thing. That was the first thing I texted him. I was like, congrats on your career, but your facial hair is disgusting. <laughs> but is no, such, not, 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 uh, not, not book. That is such a youth thing. You guys can think about I it. All day. I won't, I'm not going to give you any You guys can tweet me your answers if you're... So he's, you're a, for, he's a former jazz player. I, I was going to yeah, guess... Yeah, I played with him. I was going to guess Rubio. No, but I actually said to Renee yesterday, I need to get a Rubio jersey. Okay. That's really weird that we talked about that, but me and Renee talked about it yesterday. <laughs> All right, we'll work on it. We'll let people guess online. They can tweet it at you, at Joe Ingle 7 and then uh, they can play the game with you because they need to kill a little time too. Yeah, it's, not, it's really not that hard. Like if you knew, everyone knew my relationships with teammates. I've, I've, I mean, I've loved everyone, but... There's been a couple guys that I've been extra close with, and this is one of the guys, and it's the only jersey I've got from a current NBA player. All right, hit him up on uh, Twitter, at Joe Ingles 7 There you I go. I'll be able to check it for a while because I've got to go and do my workout, but I'll check it after my workout. So. Okay. All right. We'll look forward to it. I'll be tracking it <laughs> later today. Thanks, Joe. No worries, guys.